Amen. Good morning. It's good to see all of you here this morning. Always my favorite place to be on a Sunday, or really any day, but especially on a Sunday morning. So, I want to tell you about uh, the teenage computer whiz that I heard about, and he developed an algorithm to figure out if a girl liked him. Now, it's very complicated stuff, but I'll try to break down the results of this algorithm to simplify it for you. Here's what the algorithm told him. You ready? No. (laughs) Who would have thought a topic such as algorithms would be so much in the news, especially in the past few weeks? Have you been watching the news the last few weeks? Of course, an algorithm is just a mathematical term we don't think about every day, even if you're a math or a computer whiz. But we interact with algorithms every day, whether or not we realize it. It's been in the news this past couple weeks because of all the uh, whistleblower facts that come out about Facebook. And, and, and the, the one good thing about this is it's, it's the one issue that I've seen in the past several years that Democrats and Republicans can seem to agree on. Isn't that interesting? Just this week, uh, one Democratic senator and one Republican senator agreed with urgency that the social media empire, Facebook, was out of control. They both placed Facebook at the very head of their concerns. One of the senators said of Facebook, it has hidden its own research on addiction and the toxic effects of its products. And then at the same hearing, the other senator indicted Facebook for its breach of trust. We do not trust you with influencing our children. So here you have a Democrat and a Republican, a a conservative and a liberal, saying virtually the same things. Of course, algorithms existed long before the Internet long before social media, long before computers. An algorithm is essentially a procedure to solve a mathematical problem. If we had James in here this morning, he's upstairs teaching now. If we had him in here this morning, he could probably tell us more about algorithms being that math whiz. But uh, algorithms with the dawn of the computer age have become really an essential tool for many things because given the right algorithm and the right data, computers can solve problems and analyze data and provide solutions much more quickly than we can by sitting down with pencil and paper or on a whiteboard like you see here. Like most things, they can be used for a wide variety of very positive purposes. Also, like most things, they can be used for a wide variety of purposes that are not necessarily as positive in their outcome. So algorithms in and of themselves are neutral or even positive. It's how they're used where we can run into problems. And here's one definition of an algorithm. It's a word used by programmers when they do not want to explain what they did. (laughs) This seems to be very much the case with uh, Facebook and other social media in recent weeks as they've been under attack for what their algorithms do and where they lead their users. We're going to take a closer look at that in just a few minutes. All social media apps and even most websites use algorithms. A social media algorithm is the mathematical calculation that sites like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube, LinkedIn, TikTok, Snapchat, and others that I don't mention, they use to understand their user habits and they use to customize the social experience on their apps. 
Social media algorithms treat engagement, and that's the amount of time that you spend on something and other things like likes and comments and sharing a post as sort of a snowball effect. That is, the more engagement that any individual piece of content gets, the more likely it is to be rewarded by the algorithm. Social media algorithms work seamlessly behind the scenes. We don't see these things at work, but we see what they do. They shape the user's experience without them knowing the system is at work, and this is part of the potential problem. I began to think about a spiritual application for algorithms. Several weeks ago, I watched a documentary about artificial intelligence, which, of course, uses algorithms, and AI for short. So AI uses algorithms to learn, and these algorithms are based on a lot of data about our behavior, and they are able to predict patterns and tendencies. Now, China uses AI to monitor the activity of its citizens in addition to using algorithms for other purposes. What could possibly go wrong? I was surprised to learn that some of the things that their algorithms determined. For example, the vast amounts of data that China collects on its citizens has revealed that people who frequently let their cell phone batteries go down to near zero charge are also a poor credit risk. Who would have thought, right? I don't know why that is, but the algorithm predicts this, apparently with a high level of accuracy. I heard that, and then I wondered if there are similar patterns that would predict spiritual health. Think about it. Put more simply, are there habits, like letting your cell phone battery go nearly dead before recharging it, are there habits that can illustrate or even predict what kind of Christian I am? Are there, for the sake of illustration, some kind of equivalent spiritual algorithms? Of course, you can frequently let your cell phone battery get down to near zero and still be a faithful follower of Christ. But if you do not regularly read the Word, if you attend church infrequently, if you seldom pray, except in times that you're desperate, can we input this kind of data into a spiritual algorithm and predict with any kind of certainty what kind of believer you are. I thought of a couple passages of Scripture that make me think that maybe there is such a thing as a spiritual algorithm, just as an example. The first one I thought of was Hebrews chapter 4, beginning with with, uh, verses 12 and 13. Of course, this is about the Word. It says, The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So what does this passage tell us about the Word of God? It's living and active. How? In our minds and in our hearts, right? It exposes us. It opens us up to the eyes of God. Everything's revealed. The Word of God reveals everything about us inside of us. It penetrates our hearts. Now, this is a very sobering aspect of Scripture because having anyone know everything about our every thought is kind of uncomfortable. Wouldn't you agree? But in this case, it's also a great benefit to those of us who truly desire to follow Christ. Because it's the change agent that we need. It's a motivator. 
It's a catalyst to grow in Christ and to live increasingly obedient and holy lives to be faithful Christians. This is the kind of algorithm, a spiritual algorithm, that we should want to see at work in our lives as Jesus' followers. Keep these thoughts in mind as we move through this message here this morning. But back to our opening thoughts about social media algorithms. I think it's also just as clear from Scripture that while we want the Word of God to shape us, to influence us, right? To be a transformative influence in our minds and our hearts, we also must be on guard and learn discernment and decide and prioritize those things that we will allow to make us. What's influencing me? What's shaping, what's making, what's molding me into the person that I am constantly becoming? What if Hebrews 4, 12, and 13 was about Facebook and TikTok and not God? It might read like this, For Facebook is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from TikTok's sight, but we are all naked and exposed to the eyes of Instagram, to whom we must give account. Now, these are questions I think we should honestly ask ourselves all the time. What's shaping me? What's influencing me? A few weeks ago in our house church, we spent most of our meeting on the first two uh, verses of Romans chapter 12. And this applies to this spiritual algorithm thinking that we're looking at today. I want to focus on the second verse of the two verses we explored, which says, Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We're transformed by the renewal of our minds. Our minds are made new. They are changed from the inside out as we consume the Word of God, which is living and active in the life of a believer, as we saw in the Hebrews passage we read a moment ago. This Transformation determines how we live, how we behave. It determines our attitudes. We know and live out God's good and acceptable and perfect will as we grow in Christ and learn to discern. But the first part of Romans 12, too, is where I want to linger for several minutes here. Do not be conformed to this world. There are all kinds of ways we can be conformed to this world. Now, the world in which Paul lived and wrote this to the Romans knew nothing of the media that we are exposed to and immersed in today, movies, television, recorded music, social media, the Internet, etc. Yet Paul still acknowledged, even 2,000 years ago, our propensity as human beings to be conformed to the world. So, I don't know if it was the Daily Roman Times... uh, um, Scroll that was distributed? I don't know, okay. But how about things like social pressure, family pressure, our own sinful tendencies, the need to be liked, the need to be affirmed, greed. These things and more were all in place in Paul's day, and these are all the kinds of things that have the potential to conform us or shape us to think and act like the world. One great definition of worldliness I found is from a man named David Wells. What is worldliness? Well, he wrote 
that worldliness is whatever makes righteousness look strange and sin look normal. Of course, God as our maker gets to define what's righteous and define what's sinful, right? And thankfully, He does that quite clearly in His Word. We don't have to guess. But the reality facing every Christian in the modern world is that the money, the power, the prestige of the media, big-time sports, big business, most educational and entertainment institutions are fully invested in making sin look normal. Regardless of how good your church is, how strong your family and friends, any of us who are even remotely engaged with contemporary culture are being taught daily in a thousand different ways to celebrate, for example, the rainbow flag. The social media algorithm example that we started with is a huge influence on all of us. Whether or not we're on social media like Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok or not, isn't it interesting how blatant this influence is? Now we have people whose reputation and job description is what they call a social media influencer. At least they're honest about what they're doing, for good or for ill. But some of it is a little less honest and a little less transparent. I want to show you a video clip here in a second. It's from a Wall Street Journal report that illustrates this line of thinking. It's about six minutes. It's less than half of the original entire video. I edited it to help us understand some of what I'm talking about. So, Okay, has anyone else noticed that your For You page has been a little too accurate lately? It hasn't been things that I'll Google or I talk about. It's been thoughts. TikTok knows everything about us. Hold up, don't scroll. Let me ask you something first. Can someone please explain how this algorithm works? TikTok users often wonder how the world's fastest growing social network seems to know them so well. TikTok's secretly listening to us while we're watching videos. I don't know. The answer to how this app gets to know you so intimately is a highly secretive algorithm, long guarded by TikTok's China-based parent company, ByteDance. TikTok has been so successful in terms of implementing their algorithms. TikTok's algorithm can influence the thinking of U.S. youth. To understand how it knows users so well, the Wall Street Journal created over 100 automated TikTok accounts, or bots, that watched hundreds of thousands of videos on the app. We also spoke to current and former executives at the company. Officially, the company says that shares, likes, follows, and what you watch all play a role in what TikTok shows you. We found that TikTok only needs one of these to figure you out, how long you linger over a piece of content. Every second you hesitate or rewatch, the app is tracking you. Just wanna quiet the noise. Through this one powerful signal, TikTok learns your most hidden interests and emotions and drives you deep into rabbit holes of content that are hard to escape. The TikTok experience starts the same way for everyone. Open the app and you'll immediately see an endless string of videos in your For You feed. Take this new user, a 24-year-old from Henry County, Kentucky. TikTok starts by serving the account a selection of very popular videos vetted by app moderators. Is this person religious? Do they want to participate in viral dances? Are they feeling down lately? Just remember, I loved you once, and that love goes for a friend, family, 
or any relationship. What TikTok doesn't know is that the 24-year-old from Kentucky isn't a person at all. It's one of the bot accounts programmed by the Wall Street Journal. Let's call it Kentucky 96. We set up these accounts to understand how TikTok figures out your unexpressed interests. We assigned each bot a date of birth and an IP address, which told TikTok their location. None were given a gender. We gave each bot or user interests, but those interests were never entered into the app. The only way our users expressed their interests was by re-watching or pausing on videos with related hashtags or images. Some were into extreme sports. Others were interested in forestry or dance or astrology. I'm not the babysitter. I'm not the parent. Or some other topic. Keep scrolling if you hate animals. For all our accounts, we found that TikTok draws users in at first by serving a wide variety of videos, many with millions of views. Then, as the algorithm sees what you respond to, the selection of videos and the view counts can get lower and lower, with fewer of them vetted by moderators to see if they violate TikTok's terms of service. We reviewed our experiment and its results with a data scientist, an algorithm expert, and Guillaume Chazlow, a former Google engineer who worked on YouTube's algorithm. He's now an advocate for algorithm transparency. He says TikTok is different from other social media platforms. The algorithm on TikTok can get much more powerful and it can be able to learn your vulnerabilities much faster. In fact, TikTok fully learned many of our account's interests in less than two hours. Some it figured out in less than 40 minutes. On YouTube, more than 70% of the views come from the recommendation engine. So it's already huge, but on TikTok, it's even worse. It's probably like 90, 95% of the content that is seen that comes from uh, the recommendation engine. What we see on TikTok is a bit the same that what we saw on YouTube. So basically the algorithm is detecting that this depressing content is useful to create engagement and pushes depressing content. So the algorithm is pushing people towards more and more extreme content so it can push them toward more and more uh, watch time. It's able to find the piece of content that you're vulnerable to, that will make you click, that will make you watch. But it doesn't mean you really like it and that the content that you're, you enjoy the most, it's just the content that's the most likely to make you stay on the platform. There's a lot of fun, silly, and life-affirming content on TikTok. But while TikTok can draw out what makes you laugh, it can also make you wallow in your darkest thoughts. Turning the pain from mental to physical work. Without ever needing to eavesdrop on you or collect any personal information about you. I've never attempted suicide or anything. I've never let it get that far. Whether it's on TikTok, on Facebook, on YouTube, we're interacting with algorithm uh, in our everyday life more and more. We are training them and they're training us. We're training them and they're training us. One of the things I learned in my media training in college and my subsequent 25-year career in the media is very basic to this discussion. It's all about eyeballs. They want you to watch. It has to be attractive or entertaining or have some sort of draw to get you to watch, or in this case of social media, to keep you on the platform, to keep you engaged. 
But the idea is to keep you watching, to keep you consuming, and it's all for the purpose of selling you something. Now, there's nothing wrong with selling things, okay? But we need to realize this when we consume any kind of media. Did you catch the phrase in the video about drawing us down a rabbit hole of content? Did you hear that 70% of YouTube views come from the recommendation engine? That's the algorithm that knows you better maybe than you know yourself. And it might be feeding you something worthwhile. Or maybe it's feeding you the worst of yourself. With TikTok, it's 90 to 95%. And the idea, again, is to keep you on TikTok as long as possible so they can sell you something. We're telling them how to train us. And then we're being trained ourselves. Because the more eyeballs that are watching any given content, and this applies beyond social media, of course it applies to television as well, but the more eyeballs, the more advertisers will pay, and the more money these companies make. That's why Mark Zuckerberg, founder of Facebook, owner of Instagram, WhatsApp, and Messenger, is a billionaire. There's certainly nothing wrong, again, with making a lot of money, but we must, as those who live in the world but do not want to be of the world or conform to the world, we must have a continuous discernment about what we're consuming, how much we're consuming, what we are being fed. Because what we consume, and if TCFers are anything like the rest of the culture, I think we're probably a little bit different, but if we're even close, we're engaging with a screen of one kind or another. Statistically, it shows six to eight hours every day. But what we consume can and will shape us unless we allow the Word of God by His Holy Spirit to transform us. Can we allow the spiritual algorithm of the Word of God to expose our hidden agendas, our hidden sinful tendencies, our hidden weaknesses? If you have a problem with lust, TikTok and YouTube know this. They don't care how bad this may be for you and will even feed you content to feed your lust because it keeps you on their platform longer. If you have a problem with greed, Instagram knows. If you have a problem with gossip, Facebook knows. And the challenge for us is that these media know this and then feed our worst impulses. Now the Lord knows these things about us too. Remember what we read in Hebrews 4.13, No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We also see other passages of Scripture that reveal how thoroughly God knows our thoughts and our hearts. Yes, my brothers and sisters, God can read our minds. And though I don't really want Facebook or Instagram to know my thoughts and my heart, I want God to know my thoughts and my heart. I want Him to reveal these things to me clearly so my heart can be changed so I can be transformed into the image and likeness of Christ, so I can serve Him and follow Him with my whole heart, without the distractions of my own sinful tendencies. I want to be honest with myself. Because you know what? God knows the truth about me, whether I'm honest with Him or not. So why try to hide it from Him? The psalmist knew this, Jeremiah knew this, the Apostle John knew this, Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Jeremiah 12, 3, but you, O Lord, know me, you see me, and test my heart toward you. Revelation 2, 23, 
All the churches will know that I am He who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. Now, in the news recently, we've seen Facebook, and they're in hot water because it has conducted multiple uh, studies confirming that the kinds of content more likely to receive user engagement, things like likes, comments, and shares, is also more likely of a type to be known as bad. And Facebook knows this. Still, the company has continued to rank content in users' news feeds according to what will receive the highest engagement, the most usage, regardless of the consequences of people consuming this. Facebook's researchers, this is their own internal research, know the ill effect of their platform, but they don't want to fix them. Instagram, for example, it's owned by Facebook. It's been shown in Facebook's own internal research to be harmful to teenage girls. Facebook's own internal studies have shown that Instagram uh, usage can increase depression, suicidal thoughts, and tendencies toward eating disorders. And Facebook's being criticized now because much of its content has seemingly contributed to, to the political divide in our nation. And anybody who's on Facebook can see that, fueling the hatred and vitriol that's so common now in our public discourse. As we saw in the video, TikTok only needs... Uh, one important piece of information to figure out what a user wants. The amount of time you linger over a piece of content. Every second you watch or hesitate or rewatch, the app tracks you. Through that one very powerful signal, TikTok learns your most hidden interests and emotions and drives users of any age deep into rabbit holes of content in which they push you to watch what is heavily dominated by videos about a specific topic or theme. And it's not just TikTok. This is all social media. They use similar algorithms, again, for good or for ill. Additionally, there's the matter of privacy. It's kind of disturbing all the things Facebook knows about you, even if you've never had a Facebook account. You know why? 60% of apps, even if you never use Facebook, never signed up for a Facebook page, have agreements with Facebook to track your activity on the Internet. And they've collected all this data to improve their algorithms and improve their advertising revenue by targeting ads to your interests. How many of you have ever been on a website uh, shopping for something, and then you go to another website, has nothing to do with it, and what pops up? There's an ad on what you just shopped for. That's the algorithm at work. That's what's happening. So here's the thing. I'm not necessarily, matter of fact, I'm not saying this morning that Christians shouldn't be on social media. I'm not saying we shouldn't watch TV. Despite the numerous red flags that I've pointed out to you this morning, hoping to equip all of us with some level of discernment, the problem isn't Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. The problem isn't YouTube or the Internet in general. You know, I really wish it was that easy. I wish it was that easy. Hey, just stay away from these things and you'll be okay. You'll be godly. You'll grow in Christ. The problem is the human heart. The problem is our sinful tendencies. These media just take advantage of that for the sake of fun and profit. Just as Satan can't tempt you with something that's not already in you, so Instagram can't read your mind unless you give it the data it needs about you. Since the problem isn't social media, but is instead the sinfulness of our human hearts, the answer 
isn't staying off social media or the internet? The answer is the gospel. The answer is the gospel. The good news that Jesus paid it all. The good news that the redemption he purchased for you and for me on the cross necessarily includes a changed heart and a transformed mind. If our hearts aren't changed or changing, if we're not growing in Christ, then we must examine our faith to see if it's genuine. Now, our changing hearts might cause us to see our tendencies more clearly, and as a result of our growing desire to please God and to grow in Christ, it might cause us to rethink or to better discern our media consumption, not just social media, but other media. But again, the problem isn't these things. I only highlight these things this morning as an example because of what the Apostle Paul tells us in the first part of Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world. These things are just some of the ways we can be conformed to this world. If you think that you're off the hook this morning for having to consider Paul's admonition to not be conformed to this world, hey, I don't do Facebook, I don't have Instagram, and you think TikTok is the sound your winding up clock makes, or you think Twitter is something birds do, think again. You're not off the hook. I only mention these kinds of media. We could include anything in the media, but I can include these and other things because they're so prevalent in our modern world. They're almost everybody here knows exactly what I'm talking about, even if they don't consume these kinds of media. So if we're honest with ourselves, we must admit that we are far more driven by what we desire than by what we think. The main reason it feels creepy when algorithms know us too well is that we don't like how it functions as a mirror into our souls. When we're disturbed by what we see in our feeds, it may be because we're confronted with the darkest depths of our desires, which we attempt to hide even from ourselves. Algorithms can capture our hearts for their good. God seeks to know and shape our hearts for our good and for his glory. Let's be real about life online. We might think that we're the ones who are consuming content, but we must constantly, daily, ask the question, is this content really consuming me? How is it shaping my heart? How is it shaping my attitudes and my behavior? Am I being conformed to this world? You know what? I can't compete. The elders can't compete for your hearts and your minds and your soul in a 30 to 40 minute Sunday sermon. We can't compete with the daily six to eight hours of screen time that most of us in this room will spend. The media algorithm is going to win the battle for your time. The question is, will they win the battle for your mind? Again, I'd love it. I would love it if I could easily just give you a nice three-point list of how not to be conformed to this world by avoiding social media, avoiding the internet, avoid TV. But I want to stick with what the Word of God tells us and not make artificial rules that we couldn't keep anyway. I just want to encourage all of us to learn to discern. Learn to discern. To think about what we consume of our popular culture. I love technology. I'm an, I, if I had the money, I'd be an early adopter. I'd have the I'd have almost everything you could get, the coolest, latest technology. I've always loved technology. And I've always been fascinated by the media since I was a boy. 
ever, and even since my media career ended more than 20 years ago. I will be the last one in this building to encourage us to be like the Amish and abandon the modern conveniences that we have to make our lives better and more interesting and even more spiritual. Yet the flip side of this is that too few of us believers are thinking critically about the consequences of technology. We need to consider how this constant, never-ending access to information disconnected from any form of self-examination or self-awareness, any accountability, or any real in-person Christian community may be shaping us in a way that undermines the discipline of being transformed by the renewing of our minds and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. If we are so subject to the influence of the world to our spiritual harm, doesn't it make sense that we're also subject to the influence of the Word of God to our spiritual health? You decide. I can't make you. I don't want to try to make you, my brothers and sisters. You must decide by the conviction of the Holy Spirit how to respond this morning and every day. Conform to this world or renew your mind by the Word. Let the Word shape you and not Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or TikTok. Expose yourself to God by allowing His Word to search your hearts. Let's be like the description of the psalmist in Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on His law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Amen? Heavenly Father, we are grateful for Your Word. We are grateful for the admonition to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Help us, Father, to learn to discern in our daily lives and whatever we consume. Help us to to look for how the world may be conforming us into its pattern and look for ways in your word to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We thank you, Father, for your great love and grace and mercy that's at work in our hearts. We pray, Heavenly Father, that as we are living in this world as we are supposed to, as followers of you, we pray, Father, that we would not be of the world because we have been conformed to the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.